From Bristol, UK, I'm Pommy Harmer. I'm Melissa Shamam, and this is The Quarantini. We're bringing you this podcast every week to keep your spirits up and until the COVID crisis in the UK has ended. As with every week, today we'll bring you a mix of ingenious responses to the virus, creative ideas for the future, and maybe a dash of the unexpected. And of course, some music. So to start with, again, a big up to Seb Gutierrez and the Old Bones Collective for Hot Flu, that lovely theme music of ours. Oh, I really love listening to them. So welcome back. Coming up in the show today, we have an interview with Maxine Blister-Collins, who's the producer and presenter of a podcast about relationship issues called The Last Resort. And it was launched during lockdown and she's going to tell us what we can learn from these unusual times to improve our relationships. And she's got some great tips about how not to feel trapped. And the mixer part of the show will include, as usual, a roundup of exciting responses to the coronavirus. And for the dash of something exciting, we've got a parody this week from Chico Rose. And he and his band are pretending to be outcasts singing Rona instead of Heya. Yes. You think you got it.
So that was Chico Rose and his band singing the parody of Outcast's Heya, and they've called it Rona. That was good, wasn't it? I like that. Yeah, it's really funny. It's an uplifting song. Okay, it's now time for our weekly roundup, but let's just remind everybody how they can get hold of us. Sure. You can email us at thequarantinipodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Okay, so let's start off in Bristol. What have we got first? One of the best news here in Bristol is that there was no new coronavirus-related deaths or cases, actually, uh, in most of uh, last week. That was what was announced on the 7th of July by the Public Health England latest data. So the city's got still um, a number of um, people testing positive above 1,200, but there's been this entire amount of two weeks without no one passing because of the virus so i think it's quite encouraging we're, we're one of the best region in the uk for safety around that crisis and because of that three parks in bristol have got quite an innovative solution to encouraging people back into them so queen square college green and castle park have all had huge white hearts painted on them at two meter intervals They're about three metres wide. They're extremely obvious and they attract people to kind of sit in groups but away from other groups. It's just a guideline, isn't it? But it's a way of trying to encourage people back into the city centre and we will see what happens. It's lovely. I've seen the photos and I think they're going to probably tour the world. It's quite unique. It's very Bristol. As well, the good news is that a lot of businesses... Galleries and other places are still in the process of reopening. Um, I live near North Street and it's very lively at the moment. Um, next week, for instance, the Gallimaufry on Gloucester Road will reopen. And next on this list is Bristol Zoo. The date set for reopening is July the 14th after being closed for more than 100 days. Hopefully that's going to be a, a lovely thing to do for families, children, but also, you know, anybody I quite like the zoo. That's really good news, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Elsewhere in the UK, in the city of Cambridge, uh, people have been putting a plans in, in place to develop what they call micro houses. It's a to tackle homelessness, obviously. Uh, here in Bristol, we had a lot of initiative to help the homeless, but it, the crisis is definitely not over. And obviously those people um, cannot protect themselves from the coronavirus crisis if they don't have a place to stay. So in the shadow of the famous university, people are now trying to help the ones living rough in Cambridge. And this new ho housing project aims to address that in the long term. So let's hope that project expands across the country. There was so much work done to house rough sleepers at the start of lockdown and they absolutely must not go back on the streets now. So it looks like we're all going to be wearing masks for some time. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the first mask vending machine has been invented. Adam Freeman, remember him from The Apprentice? Well, he's launched a company called Masky. That's how I say it, but maybe you say it Masky. The UK's first vending machine face mask brand. Since installing the first machine in Essex in April, he's installed more than 10 across the country. The washable masks offered in the machines are priced between six and 15 pounds. But if you can't find one of his 10 vending machines, worry not. Bags of Love has launched an online service where you can customise your very own from adding images, text and choosing what kind of label you want for just 20 quid. Or how about just picking one up on the high street? 
Mango was the first high street store to introduce them, but now supermarkets, Co-op and Aldi have joined in, so you can just throw one in the basket with the rest of your shopping, or more than one. Because by the looks of things, face masks, or face coverings as we should say, are here to stay. Yeah, I need to get a couple of them. Um, but you know what? I have a friend whose son has made one for him and it looks great. So I think I'm just going to order one from from him just to keep it on, you know, safely. And it's beautiful. Creative teenagers have to support that. Absolutely. Another of the biggest news of the week is obviously finally, finally, the British government has announced a rescue package for our cultural sectors. Theatres, museums, music venues, as we know, are like strict, struck much more than other businesses. And uh, finally, we've got this package of over a million and a half pounds um, described by the government as one of the largest one-off investment in culture. This bailout has brought relief to these industries um, and it appears to be on the verge of collapse, actually, with hundreds of theatres and music venues warning that they would probably close for good if not saved now, and we know it's quite urgent. Um, we've got lovely messages from a few places like the London Old Vic who said in a statement, we look forward to the clarity uh, coming over the coming weeks around how this will come into place. Because obviously the government said it's going to help the venues and not the artists. So we, we don't know exactly how it's going to take place. But it's a huge amount. And the, the rest of Europe had been you know promising help for months now. So it's such a relief to hear that something's going to happen in the UK as well. It's a real lifeline, isn't it? So moving further afield, in Colombia, an anonymous letter exchange has sprung up. It's called Love in a Time of Coronavirus, after the uh, novel by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Love in a Time of Cholera. Now, I haven't ever read that novel, so I'm going to read out what it says about it. It says, it tells the story of a young couple who fall in love in their youth, but who are forced to give each other up by her father. Isn't it always the way? And so for the next five decades, five decades, they exchange love letters using pseudonyms. That's so sad. Anyway, coming back to Colombia, and in particular, a city called Medellin, a library worker put together this project. And whenever the team receive a letter, they decorate it and send it to someone else and... The woman whose idea it was says it shows the power of words and their ability to connect us to each other. And it's just like Amy Pollard's project. She, do you remember she talked to us in a previous episode about her Kindness by Post project? That's, I think that's amazing. Two completely separate parts of the world coming up with a very similar project. Absolutely. People totally take for granted the power of words and especially when they're written down. I mean, I think some of the people... Amy talked about in our interview were like you know touch for these words for weeks right it's it's life saving so yeah hopefully it's not going to take five decades for these people to meet <laughs> finally if you're thinking about taking holidays and obviously you're British so your dream is to go to Spain there's some good news for you uh, there's a campsite over there that has created an ultra safe era for tourists. Of course, if they don't have coronavirus. So that's located in a place called Trias Palja Tamarit in Tarragona. Forgive my horrible Spanish accent. It's a port town in the northeast coast. So it's near Barcelona. Maybe Barcelona will do the same with another camp or another hotel. The idea is to introduce COVID-19 tests straight on arrival for guests who wish to access what they call the paradise zone. How does that sound? 
So only those who test negative, obviously, can stay in this special section of the campsite, which has 40 mobile homes, 10 pitches and a beach view, sport area, swimming pool, restaurants and entertainment. And the, the camp will provide and subsidize the test, but the, the guests will have to pay for it. Apparently 100 euros, which is not completely, you know, like super affordable, but I guess it's worth it if you love this sort of holidays. The owners said they were inspired by the similar scheme in South Korea that has been working really well. And this paradise zone will open later in July. So get ready. I think that's a great idea because, you know, they've got to find ways of making it safe so that people trust. There's a big issue about trusting um Venues and campsites and holiday homes, I think, at the moment, isn't there? People are are waiting to see what happens. Well, definitely. I would definitely not go to a camp if I was thinking maybe half of the people might be sick and not knowing it. So I think it's the only way forward. Otherwise, I'll enjoy my own company and a book in my house. Right. So now it's time for the interview. What have we got today? So, Pommy, as we discussed, um, today we have an interview with Maxine Blistered Collins. Uh, she's, um, she's done a lot of things in her life. She's worked in many TV shows behind the camera, but now she's become the producer and presenter of a podcast about relationship issues. And it's called The Last Resort. It was obviously launched during the lockdown and it's been extremely successful. Uh, she and her co-producer, co-presenter, Samantha Kamikel, a married working mum of two, are creating and, and fostering this platform to discuss the dynamics of relationships and to explore, I'm quoting them, the complexities of human relationships, create a safe space uh, where we can break taboos and draw back the veil and reveal the truth about intimacy. And they're talking to a lot of experts from all over the world, but also um, they answer people's questions. So they got people sending them a crisis issue or their worry about, you know, how the lockdown has changed their everyday life. Uh, the interesting thing with Maxine is like she was born here in the UK, but she, her dad is Italian and her mom is Norwegian. And she's a global citizen. She's traveled to Bali, to the Americas. And uh, so that that's really something that's coming across um, in her podcast. So we talked about how actually this weird times that was the crisis, the lockdown has affected all of us, but also how it could be a, some sort of positive moment to improve our relationships. Um, and she thinks actually that it's a unique opportunity to look at the depth and authentic state of our relationships. Here she is. It's super, super exciting time. Usually in our daily lives, we do stuff all the time without realizing it. And if we want to spend time with people we are in relationships, it's about doing something, going for a dinner or doing this, doing that. Suddenly we are trapped in the same space with actually not that many distractions. And it's super exciting because what we have had as feedback is that couples, individuals in relationships, suddenly they are observing stuff that they haven't seen before. They've had the stillness, the time, the space to actually be there with that other person or with the other people. And like, hang on a minute, this is annoying. Why is he doing that? And, and suddenly we were stuck in it, which is amazing. It's great because that's what we need to do within relationships. We need to observe to understand the other person. And you cannot understand another person by not spending enough time and sharing a space together with not that many distractions. 
I've seen a few people around me who have gone through a terrible time because of that. They've just realized that actually a lot of the daily life is really difficult and that maybe they have changed so much without noticing, without discussing it on a day-to-day basis. Is that Mm. something that you addressed a lot and that you've seen around you as well? I think couples have suddenly realized that they're together in the same house, but they feel still separated because they haven't been practicing being together enough in daily life. And this has become a huge insight for many people. My needs are not being met in this relationship. So a lot of people have suddenly realized this is not what I want. This is not who I want to be in this relationship. And we have then been teaching these individuals, okay, this is about you now. You need to step back from the relationship. We're actually teaching people how to give each other space, even though they're in the same house, which is a really interesting and really fun thing to experience, actually, with a partner. And by doing that, you can go within yourself. As in relationships, we seem to become very codependent. So if our partner's not happy, we're not happy. If they don't do that thing we ask them to do, it ruins our day or we become angry and we fill ourselves with negative feelings. So this big realization and insight has made individuals step back, go into themselves and then think, what is really behind my annoyance or my pain or what or my you know longing for something? What am I really longing for? And we say it's like peeling the onions. So you peel and you peel and you peel. And usually in the core of that onion, and this is, it seems very general, but this is through all the thousands of people that have got back to us, but also research. If you check uh, research out there in the world, it comes down to one thing. We do not feel we are loved enough. Mm. We do not feel we are getting that love. Mm. And in some episodes and on your Facebook page, you also gave a lot of advice actually to couples on how to foster intimacy and the sort of activities that you could switch to. Like I think you mentioned creating a bath ritual instead of just, as you were saying, going out or, you know, something that's become so invisible because it's it's, it's banal. It's like um, a, a way to go out or a way to cook a meal. But instead of that, just change your promise and just offer something different to tell your partner that you're there for them. And you see them and you hear them and you give them that time and space. Do you think that's one of the lessons that maybe we could come out with, at least to understand that, you know, this person is not here to serve me, but I have to nourish and nurture this relationship? Yes, of course. You know, a relationship is a creation. It's a growth. It's the strongest form of personal development as well. You're mirroring, you're constantly mirroring yourself. And by using these very simple things that actually, when we were creating them, sometimes me and my partner were like, oh, my God, this seems silly. This is like people are going to look at this and and think this is just like write a love letter, you know, to someone that you've been with for 20 years. They are genius things you can do. And can I tell you, Melissa, how do you think it would feel if your partner had suddenly run a bath for you with rose petals and incense and put music on and and said, Melissa, I've made a surprise for you tonight. I've run this beautiful bath. You've got to go in and enjoy yourself. Can you imagine the joy, the, the gratitude that is inside of you just by those little things? And yes, we eat dinner in front of the TV every day together. It's a normal thing. Why not just make it a special evening? You know, candles, music, the energy, the vibe. 
I think it's an amazing way of creating also gratitude, which is lacking big time in relationships. So we've had fantastic feedback from those little exercises. And you know what? Especially from men. We thought this would be a very female kind of topic exercise. And we have an 80% male audience right now, which is fantastic. Yeah, great. Because uh, indeed, like women tend to speak about a relationship a bit more, Mm. to be fair. I can't imagine that dream of uh, having someone preparing that fantastic moment in a bathroom. Or writing a little note for you and putting it in your shoe. So simple, Melissa, but it's so powerful. We need to remember these small, simple things that are so much more powerful than anything else we could do outside our household in our relationship. Yes, so that was the first part of my discussion with Maxine, Maxine Blistad-Collins from the podcast The Last Resort. So what do you think, Pomi? Um, Have you heard around you how people have been expecting more from their partners because they're locked in? Do you know what I think, what I loved was her opening sentence where she uses the word trapped and exciting in the same sentence. I mean, that's just quite unique, isn't it? I I really loved hearing her view that normally what we do when we have time with our partners is we go and do things with them. And lockdown has meant we've we've had to be with them. And I I just think she finds that exciting. But she also recognises that people might feel trapped by that. And but but what a what a great I what a great view of the world that you could find that exciting and develop your relationships with people rather than get into conflict, I suppose. She's not afraid of conflict, is she? No, she has a lot of tips about conflict resolution and non-violent communication and how we could reach out to people and express our problems or needs to come back to ourselves. And actually, like in the second part of our discussion, I wanted to address that. It's like, If you think you're stuck with that partner, isn't it a good time to kind of change this dynamic? And also, can't you just also try to rely on more external relationships? I think something is very important for me because my friendships have always been a big part of my life. And so Maxine has kindly um, reflected on what people have shared with us and the experts and all the episodes around this uh, brought her to to reflect on actually how we can get to improve our relationship with others and how that can reflect on our well-being and then it will obviously help us have a better relationship with our partner here she is absolutely what you're saying there is very very important we need to keep our own friends our own communities our own relationship aside from our intimate relationship you know it's very normal for many couples to only hang out with the same friends or one of the family, or in the same community. And this does not serve in the long run, but keeping your own individual self, nurturing your other relationships on the side, as long as your partner knows you love him or her, it's very important. Imagine sitting down with your partner, and you can bring in experiences and insight into your relationship from your other relationships. And this is a very refreshing and dynamic, lovely thing to do. Mm. And I can just add one thing there because I do experience and we get a lot of questions into our podcast by one individual in the partnership telling us that the other partner is not happy with them hanging out with other people or having too many separate hobbies. 
Now, this is then a conflict to resolve. It doesn't mean you then have to forget about your own friends and your own life. This means that it gives you the opportunity to explain to your partner this need of yours and how it's going to help improve the relationship with your intimate partner. Yes, because maybe that problem doesn't really come from them, but more about yourself, your relation to your primary caregivers and what you expect from a spouse. And if you suffer, it's always good to voice it, I guess, is what maybe we can learn. Is communication a key in this, what we have learned in this lockdown period for relationships? Absolutely key. But it's not just about communication, it's how you communicate. And one of the biggest, biggest, biggest problems in all relationships, and I never think a relationship can be too good, so I think everybody could listen to this, even if they are in lovely, loving, you know, beautiful relationships. We do not know how to express our needs. And this is also a conditioning that we have from society, our parents, you know, the expectations of how a partnership, you know, a marriage should be. We do not know how to express our needs. And sometimes we don't even know our needs. So this is a very important thing to do as an individual. You need to sit down. You need to understand. You can write a list, actually, of your needs in your relationship with your partner and you can understand why you need these things because we are all very different. We think our partners can guess what we need. And by the way, the female brain and the male brain, we have an episode on this with Anna Hatter from India, are totally different. They're totally different. Our default is totally different. Our intentions in the whole universe is totally different, male, female. We often think our partners can just guess what we need. And then we get pissed off for not getting those things. We need to ask for everything, the simplest thing. And we need to ask in a way with an understanding of why we need it. And we need to express the need in a calm way. So when you ask for a need, always do it in the I sense, not you. Mm -hmm. Not you should do this, you should do this for me. Even in the positive, every time you say you, the partner reacts with a subconscious defense. Mm -hmm. So when asking for a need, always do it in the I. I would feel so taken care of and I would feel so listened to if I could speak and you just listen to me the whole time mm. without interrupting. That would be amazing. Yes, there's no reason that we work on the garden, the job, and not your relationship. Because as we all know that once you get old, then you look back to your life, it's probably what's going to matter the most, right? Mm. So thank you so much. We're very lucky to have people taking care of us like, like this. Thank you, Melissa. And I just want to say thank you for all the great work you guys have done on your podcast too. Thank you so much to Maxine Blistad-Collins, um, a fantastic TV producer, radio producer, now podcast producer uh, who's uh, presenting co-presenting with Samantha Carmichael the last resource for her insight into how to improve our relationship during this crisis thank you now it's nearly time to finish but before we go Definitely. So as you know, um, I've followed the creation of the Obons Collective because my friend Seth Gutierrez was in other band with Lady Naid and he was also with the Zen Husies led by a um, fantastic artist that is also Tintin Quarantino that we interviewed in our first episode. But the Obon Collective are like a jazz-based improvising live act that is absolutely amazing and of course they have been stuck at home Seb has been doing live sessions with 
some of the students he's teaching guitar to young people so he's doing that online but also recently he's done a lot of live events simply on Facebook to support his favorite pub uh, he lives between Bath and Bristol so one of his uh, place is the Royal Oak in Bath and that's the second challenge to support them on Facebook so he's already done two gigs you can check his page as Seb Gutierrez or the page of the Old Bones Collective, and I'm sure they will do more. They also play regularly at the canteen, which is still not reopened, so if, if, you, if we hear that they might play there again or play a support gig for them online, we'll let you know. But for now, just enjoy the tune. So here's the scene. You're sat in a warm summer night. You've got a quarantine in one hand. You're with friends. You're in a comfortable chair and you're listening to the Old Bones Collective playing Do It.
So that's it for the quarantine this week. We'll be back next week with a new cocktail of ideas and positive news for you all. And you know what we'd love? We'd really love to hear from you. Please get a hold of us. Uh, you can email us, for instance, at thequarantinepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. This episode was hosted by me, Melissa Shaman. And was hosted and produced by me, Pomi Harmer. Thank you so much for listening. And stay safe. <laughs>